This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, gang, it's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio and Aftermarket Weekly. We have a heck of a show today. Let me introduce my guest. It's Mr. Bob Ward. Hello, Mr. Ward. Carm, it's always good to be with you. Thanks, Bob, from perpetualbusiness.co. How you doing, man? Ready to deliver exactly what you need for your audience, Carm. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I call Bob and I said, I think it's time that we talk about succession. We talk about succession a lot, but I said, Bob, I'd love to have you do a twist for me and let's talk about succession in real life, some real world examples and maybe what your success rate is when you get together with people and also steps to getting it done, examples of some of the success stories. This is why we're trying to do maybe a case study real life thing and occasionally it just doesn't work out similar to marriage does car sometimes it doesn't work yeah great point bob thank you so much look we're coming to you live on tape uh, sometimes called my carb cave from the dorman training studios Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets if one does not update they will evaporate Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century with DormanTrainingCenter.com. We also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormanTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations, as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. Thanks, Dorman, so much for your continued support. Mr. Ward, president of Warden LLC, Bob is so well-known in the industry and does an awful lot of, quote-unquote, I don't want to say the word deals, Bob, but sometimes that's how people look at them. True. It's a success story, a succession success story. So a succession today, I've heard the stats, they're kind of all over the place in the 60% range of the owners that are in their 60s and they would love to either sell or move the business into a, a key employee or to family. 
And there's so many sitting behind. They're listening to my shows. They're talking to coaches. They're in a networking group. They just can't pull the trigger. They don't know what to do first. And this whole real life thing that I want to do with you, if you could just walk us down what someone really needs to do to get started. Certainly, that's a great place to start. First, succession simply means one owner following another. One thing follows the first thing. We as business owners, will be leaving our business. It's the reality of we will be passing out of this world sometimes. There's no way around we are going to leave the business. And how do we want to leave the business? And without planning, it is chaotic and sometimes just disastrous because it could lead simply to liquidation if there is no succession plan. So the first reality is Don't procrastinate. We know we're going to leave. Then ask, how do I want to leave the business? We want to leave it in good hands. We want to realize the value that we created. We'd like our customers continue to be served. We want our employees to still have jobs. Planning ahead is what is critical and not trying to take the entire process all at once is well advised. It should just be one step at a time. Metaphorically, karma, it's a lot like making the decision to get married one day. You don't meet somebody on the first cup of coffee and there's an attraction and tomorrow you get married. There is a process to building that relationship, talking about those things that are most important, money management, raising your children if you're going to have them? Who's going to take responsibility for what things in the relationship? And ultimately, couples reach that place where they've got that confidence and comfort that they're doing the right thing, and therefore they can make the commitment. In succession planning, unless you're just really lucky and some outside consolidator comes along with a lot of money and, and it works out really simple, which is rare, it's going to be Somebody that you know, likely an inside buyer, a key employee or employees that have proven themselves. And then you're going to have a process. You're not going to try and and solve the whole transition in a matter of days, weeks, even months. It could take years. So step one to getting it done is realize you need to do it now. Waiting till you're 70 is akin to not saving for retirement until you're 70. That's not a formula for success, starting early. And the reason you want to start early is not just to have a buyer or buyers in place and you know how that's going to happen. The added benefit is the people that you want to retain, the people you'd like to have there till you retire, are more likely to stay when they're involved in the plan, involved in the process, and they are potentially going to be the owners themselves. So I said, step one is knowing you got to get this done, making the decision to start. Step two is qualifying who you have on your staff and what their qualities are. Bob, I got to stop you there for a moment. I love this position that we're in. It's to qualify the person. So I'm thinking, how do you know? You probably, <laughs> hey, Bob, I've heard about you. I'd love to hire you. I want to succeed. And I've got this person who's been here for five years, and I think he could do the business. Well, 
How do you know? I think that is such a powerful question that is that the biggest hurdle to jump over? Absolutely. The other hurdles have to do with putting the rest of it together. What is the value of the business? How do you pay for it? What are all the legal details? But none of those matter if you don't have a buyer. Step two, one is, you know, you got to do it and you want to start. Step two is let's qualify who these people are. In that, ask what is most important to that employee and their career. What do they want most out of their career? They may say, I just want to be a great employee and work for you until you retire one day and, and not have any stress or responsibility. That's what I want to do. But there's others like the owners listening to this show that had the drive and the passion to be a business owner. They may not have been, uh, likely were not fully qualified when they made that decision. We all grow over time and make the mistakes and learn and ultimately succeed. But you're trying to find the next us, the next person listening to this show. And the first thing is the desire the drive, passion, commitment. And you do that first by having a simple conversation. What do you want out of your career? What's most important to you and your family? What's your ultimate objective in your business life? If you get a yes, I want to be an owner, then it's part of the qualification process. There's some online assessments. Uh, There's one that I offer on my website that's used nationally by a lot of other coaches and uh, human resource firms. That takes about an hour to do, and it returns what the natural style traits, problem-solving people skills are to that person. And then further benchmarks them against, well, do they fit well as a technician, fit well as an advisor, or fit well as a business owner? And there's some extra information right there. I am so happy you're here walking us down this aisle of marriage, if you will, <laughs> because at the at the end, when that officiant is there, probably named Bob Ward, he's going to put these two people together. But on that process down the road, you've helped qualify, steer, value eight this process. So the reason we're doing this is I don't know how to start. Bob's giving you an outline of how to start. And you can get him at perpetualbusiness.co. Bob, what's your email again? Simply bob at worden, W-A-R-D-D-E-N.com. So, Carmen, you just led me into a, a great extra transition here. Now you've got somebody or maybe a couple people that really have this desire, I want to do it. And they've taken an assessment. Now we've got some extra information about them. Now we need to groom them. What do they know today? What do they need to know ultimately to run that business as a standalone owner, just like the people listening right now? It's a process and it requires regular attention and agenda objectives. And the sooner your key people, your potential buyers have the knowledge of financial metrics, being able to forecast they're good with people. They're meeting the qualifications that our listeners, the owners today have and getting closer and closer. And as that happens, the owners can gradually relinquish certain responsibilities and authority to prove that their buyer candidate is in fact developing. 
Well, that is so smart to be able to have an internal candidate and watch that individual grow, assume new responsibilities and demonstrate what you know you're in a whole paper it's so critical to be able to see that that individual can make the payments and if not have the very hard reality and maybe that individual comes to you part of the maybe the unsuccessful rates is you know what thanks for all the responsibility boss but i don't think i'm cut out for this and that happens and the reason my success rate is so high is two reasons one my compensation is based on success not just a signature so that's something i have a a commitment to my clients that i'm going to be paid like all professionals are paid but the primary part of my pay is based on it working not just getting a signature that we hope it's going to work but the other part which i'm going to say is even bigger is i look at all of my projects from the owner's view And from the potential buyer's view, I've been in both seats and I've done dozens and dozens, dozens, probably a hundred now. And I am fully honest with the owners and the potential buyers. If I have reservations as the buyer, I'm going to say so to both parties. Same with the owner. So if it's not feeling right to me from both sides... I'm going to say so. And it likely would be, we've got some hurdles to overcome. We're not ready to move forward now. Let's set some short-term objectives, maybe three months, six months, some things that need to happen for everybody to have more confidence. Again, like that dating to marriage scenario, you don't keep dating somebody and making it more intimate and more formal and and a bigger relationship, unless you feel comfort and confidence that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. And it's similar in this grooming development process for your successor owner. Bob, did the buyer ever reach out to you, an internal candidate, be it a child, a family member, or an independent internal candidate? Did they ever come to you and say, how could you represent us both? It's That's a very good question, Connor. That's really a The answer is, I believe and present myself as being the representative of the business. The business must succeed for the owner to get paid and the buyer to realize success as the future owner. So the business is my client. The owner's paying me, but the business must succeed. And that's why I look at it from both sides. If I don't feel like this business is going to be able to succeed with the owner leaving at this particular point in time or the next few years and this buyer is qualified, I'm just going to say we're not there yet. And if we don't get there, which sometimes happens, the the, the candidate may be totally gung-ho. I want to do this. I know I can do it. But the reality is, no, you're not meeting the standards of the current owner. You're not meeting the professional standards needed to truly succeed, I'm going to say so. And if they want to continue on, that's their prerogative. But I can say that I've only had a couple that continued on, and those would be among the ones that ultimately failed because they were trying to force it rather than do it for the right reasons. I'm with Bob Ward. We're talking succession in real life from Bob's from Warden LLC at perpetualbusiness.co. So you're an advocate for the business. How cool is that? What if there was an outside buyer? Do you still have that role both ways or are you just in the camp of the seller? 
it depends on who the outside buyer is. If it's an individual, like a service advisor, technician. No, someone outside, someone doesn't work for the company. No, I got that. If it's somebody in the industry, then it's similar to a key employee. If it's a, a consolidator, a corporation, that's a whole different matter. And there's, and then I'm not going to be involved there unless the owner just wants me to do evaluation or coach them individually. I see. Got it. Okay. So your specialty is internal candidate succession. That's 95% of what I do. Wow. You think about the track record you have and the confidence that I could lay on you. And then you explained to me, hey, listen, I'm, I'm looking at it from both ways. I'm representing the business. Everyone's going to get a deal that we know will work, will we'll work for each other. And instead of having to worry about liquidating the business, selling it to crazy group, I may never get any money for it. We're going to succeed this business. We're going to keep it going. Absolutely correct. And taking it to the next step, I think it, it might be a good idea to talk about a few examples in real life. Are you ready for that? Let me give you a, a current client. We're not going to name states or, uh, or specific names, but this, this particular client is, is new as a referral, has six stores, has a general manager in each of the six stores. There's two that want to be owners, and he wants these two to become future owners of these individual stores. That's great. We went through step one, and step one says they are a natural fit to be an owner that they've uh, been doing like 80% of, of what needs to be done. I interviewed them both. They did the online assessment, did some analysis, and I went back to the owner and said, these are great candidates. However, they're missing these particular skills, generally around the HR part, hiring, firing, motivating, retaining those, those relationships, and they have no experience in the actual financial forecasting, metrics, knowing what the owner knows about how the financial side of that business must be. So after my step one, this qualification evaluation, I said, you're on the right track. I'm going to suggest you pause and you have some additional training with these people. It might take three, six months and come back to me when both sides feel comfortable and confident again. That's a really good example of I'm in no hurry. We want to do it right, not fast. Another one that is a little more challenging is one that hired me four years ago, has a really good, perfect internal buyer candidate, has all of the knowledge, can actually run the business with the owner being gone. But the owner's not willing to let go yet. So here we are four years and the internal buyer candidate is now in a place where I just don't want to wait anymore. This has been too stressful. I'm ready to just leave and retire. And they could. They've got money in their 40s, but it has money and doesn't need to work there anymore. I can't do anything more. It's just on pause, but we're getting close to this tipping point where either it's going to happen or it's not. And it's the owner's procrastination, the owner's own emotional stumbling of what am I going to do when I leave? We're talking about someone who's 78 years old, but this is all they've ever known. What am I going to do? Is it really going to happen? And they just get stuck. So there's a, a pause in the scenario. Thank you for that. It sounds to me in this recent case study that pausing too long can be very dangerous to any transaction on both sides. 
and and that the owner who is in their late 70s just can't seem to get up and over and out of his way because he loves to get up every day and go in and get juiced. Even if he's not there, he's still, I'm an owner and... Wow, what a shame. I'm sure as a quality guy like you, you've whispered enough in his ear that says, we got to do this, we got to do this. I think it will get done, but it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me too, because I see risk there and we don't want that to happen. Yeah, I got it. Let's go back to that original idea where the uh, six stores, two owners, perfect natural fit, 80%, the assessment was good and they needed some HR and finance work. How often do, do you find those two categories cream to the top? 80%. Yeah, if you think about the the audience, again, listening to us, most of the owners came from the mechanical side. They were technicians. That's their skill set. And it's critical. You got to have production in a shop in order to even have a shop to start with. But they needed to learn the uh, customer-facing side, the service advisor side. And then they had to develop the financial side. And everything needed to gel the company together where it's just humming and purring along. And it's quite a road to get there. The thing I find fascinating, and we talk about this a lot, is, you know, the old where the money goes, that our key players in the business really need to know what the profit and loss statement looks like and not just show the numbers, but explain how the balance sheet, how the cash flow statement, how the profit and loss all work together, especially if those two candidates were potential succession people. You couldn't ask for them on day one to take over and not have a clue. And so I get that part. We found out that they're weak in that area. And do you find that owners step up and start sharing that information? They must or it doesn't work. Got it. Okay. This is all logical common sense you're telling me. Well, if it was common, everybody would already do it right. I made a a vow many, many years ago at a New Year's resolution to stop using common sense and I change it to say good sense. So it's good sense to do all of these things. Let me tell you a couple, uh, give me a couple success stories. One single buyer, internal candidate, been there like 12 years, late 30s. A couple is active in the business, super successful. The business was valued at $3 million. And the buyer has $50,000 to put down. And I know people are saying, what? How much did he put down? $50,000 on a $3 million agreed purchase price. As I said earlier, everything can be worked out except a qualified buyer. So the buyer is fully qualified, totally confident. The husband and wife who own the business, fully confident. On the money side, we use what I call equity equivalence accumulation, where the buyer is running the business and getting paid bonuses based on the cash flow of the business that can only be applied towards the purchase price. So the owners are spending less and less time. The buyer is effectively running the business. And I believe it was roughly over seven years, the way this was structured, that the buyer would have accumulated somewhere near 40 or 50% of that purchase price. And then the owners would be willing to carry a note for the other one and a half million. Carrying a $3 million note and leaving today is a whole lot different than having your buyer actually run the business and you're collecting seven more years of everything you have now. And then you cash out. The total payout's actually more than the three million in that way. And we're not going to get into that on this call now. But the critical point is qualify the buyer, prove that it works. Everything else can be worked out. I'm going to give you one more example where it was a son-in-law 
that got hired to be one of the buyers with a good friend of his that had been in the, this company for 12 years as a service advisor. So we've got an outside buyer relative and an inside operator who are compatible, knew each other, have known each other for maybe 25 years. And they partnered to buy a business similar. It's almost $3 million, very similar. But together, they are doing it. And that took took like six years for this seller to finally leave the business. I just talked to him earlier in the year and he said, Bob, I can't tell you how relieved and how happy. I'm so glad you stuck with me for six years because everything's going so well and I truly have a great retirement. Six years. What I'm hearing from you are the words, you said equity equivalent. What was the other word? Accumulation. Equity equivalence. Accumulate. And I wrote down in my vernacular, earned in. Kind of the same thing, although I get the fancy accounting term that someone would work their butt off as if they were an owner and then took the bonuses from the profits or the cash flow, however that worked, to accumulate shares. The equivalent of shares. And I make that distinction because I don't want the buyer selling anything until it's proven. Ah, the equivalent of, oh, there's a, I got it. So if anything fell through, the person only has paper. Yep. Got it. Very simple, but correct. Creative, man. Any case studies on failures? I have three that did not work out. Just three. One went all seven years, just the last, like 52% of the purchase price. That would have been it. And the owner was going to carry the paper for that 52%. And that buyer, who was an internal candidate, super fit. Everything's actually working. Got to the end, literally a week before the actual transfer of the shares and decided it was too much responsibility, didn't want to do it and left and took a job somewhere else. Kind of inexplicable how everything could have worked. Everybody did what they were supposed to, but somewhere emotionally became too much of a burden. And I just don't want that responsibility. Do you think if that transaction was done three years earlier that it would have worked? I have no way of knowing that. It took the seven years by the worksheet that I had created of the equity equivalence accumulation to get to the point where it was comfortable for both it sides. Was, I got it. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. And then another one that failed after a year. And again, there's no shares to get back. It's a ledger keeping track of all this till we get to the actual sale point was on this path, like a five-year path to the actual share transfer date and got offered a job with one of the new electric vehicle companies that made lots of promises and it was really pretty. And this internal buyer candidate thought, well, internal combustion engines are on their way out. I don't think this is long-term for me. I'm going to take the sales rep job with an electric vehicle manufacturer. Okay, well, it happens. The owner doesn't lose anything. The buyer loses that opportunity, and the owner needs to find somebody else to do this. But there was no loss except the opportunity loss, which is typical. There really isn't any other loss. It's the opportunity part. And then one where it was two brothers, one a service advisor, one a technician, and it didn't feel right. The owner had a few reservations, but was really wanting to move on. 
I expressed reservations. The buyers felt comfortable, but this is an example where it got forced a little bit. I had reservations. The owner had reservations, but the owner persisted anyway. And after a couple of years, the owner realized, no, this really isn't working. Those people are still employed, but the agreement was rescinded and the owner has to look for another buyer. Amazing. Family dynamics, pretty tough. They can be, but I don't think any more difficult than just a key employee. This is selling a business and knowing that you most likely going to have a longer relationship when you exit, the owner exits because there's likely going to be a lease involved. Many of them own the property. So there's that financial commitment. The owner's likely going to carry maybe half of the original purchase price in payments. And there's the obligation of the people. So whether it's a son or daughter or in-law, if, if it's family, I don't find it really more difficult. They're both challenging. And again, the key is working through the development and creating the talent needed so that you have comfort and confidence. And with those two C's, then you can make a commitment. Again, like getting married. You can get all the way down. Sometimes you get all the way to the altar, Carm, right? And no, that just doesn't feel right. But normally you don't get quite to the altar. Somewhere in this process and you're starting to talk about getting married and what the terms are. And then, no, that's not going to work for one or the other. And you gently part company. So as long as you don't force it, everything else can be worked out. Okay. Time. In the case of an individual, I'm 63 and I really would love to think of, I got to do something. Yeah. There's a lot of dynamics going on, internal family, whatever. What's an average timeline? Again, I understand the money, the three million, that one and a half, the buy-in. I get all that. What would you look at in an owner and says, listen, start planning at least blank years out? I'm going to say there's a minimum absolute minimum of five, it's typical that it's going to be closer to seven to 10. Part of that being the development before the the owner ever contacts me. Before I ever hear from Carm as the owner selling his shop, Carm has already thought about this and there's been discussions with one or more people and there's some grooming going on before I ever even know about it. So I would get contacted when we both agree the buyer and seller agree, we want to start formalizing this path. We need to get Bob or someone like me involved to help us work through the stages. Better than that, if you're 30, you're 40, start this now so that the person you're grooming or people you're grooming know where their future is. There's things that can be done, golden handcuffs, a development, agenda, profit sharing, bonuses based on certain objectives. There's things that can be done when you're 40 years old and you've got an amazing 22-year-old that just has that drive and passion. They're going to do anything you ask them. Well, you'd want that person to be developed even though you aren't going to leave for 20 years. There's things you can do there that are going to make you more money today, keep those key employees where you want them, and build your succession plan. Yeah, wow. Nothing like watching an individual you see so much promise in and watch them develop 
and it goes back to one of your favorite Harvey Firestone quotes. Please let us know what that is. Well, I'm going to give you two of them. It's the growth and development of people that is the highest calling of leadership. And it's only as we develop others that we permanently succeed. There's two, Carter. Succession in real life. Thank you. I think you nailed it. You brought everything I wanted to get across. We're working so hard to rise all ships, to advance the aftermarket. I don't think we can talk about this enough, but this was a very solid 2003 discussion from you. So thank you. Any final words? You can do this and you can start now. And the first thing you can do when you get off of this show is think about who is on your staff today. Make sure you know what they want in their career and then consider whether they are worthy of your time and efforts to develop them further, even if it's not to be a future owner, just developing them further to be the best they can be, reach their maximum potential, that serves everybody really well. And if one or more of them get closer and closer to your confidence, they can be the next you, the next business owner. Then you might consider contacting Bob Ward. Bob Ward, Succession in Real Life. That's the name of our show here. President of Warden LLC at perpetualbusiness.co. As always, thanks a ton, Bob. My pleasure, Kurt. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 